Looking for last minute weekend getaway? I've got you covered. I have five road trips already planned for you. They're all a few hours from New York City, so they're the perfect trips for anybody on the East Coast to tap into. Whether you're looking for family-friendly, a romantic getaway, something leisure, activities-filled, history and heritage-filled, or if you want to spend the weekend stuffing your face. The packet has it all. It was designed to take all the guesswork and planning off of your plate. You choose based on the vibe or the distance. Included in the packet are itineraries for weekend trips to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Hartford, Connecticut, Johnson and Burlington, Vermont, and Montreal, Canada. It includes packing lists, a pre-trip car prep guide, and travel and shit podcast playlists of road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Save yourself the time of planning and skip to the getaway. Let this itinerary pack take the stress of planning and packing off of the table while you focus on the road. Visit travelandshitpodcast.com slash travel resources to download your copy. I made it around the world. Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have an experiential conversation about the nuanced ways that travel intersects with regular life. So in case you guys haven't noticed, I have been adding segments to my solo episodes, and I'm hoping that you enjoy them. Please let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. So it's really just two segments. It's the headlines and listener questions. So tentatively, I am going to be calling the headline section the overhead bin. Um, Headlines are catchy. Overhead bins catch all your extra shit. And um, headlines are at the top. So are the overhead bins. That's what I'm going with for now. I kind of like it, but my mind may change in the future. And listener questions, I haven't really thought, well, no, I've given a couple different thoughts as to what that should be called. I haven't found one that I really want to stick with. I'm thinking customer service line. I don't know, but it's just, it's not, it's not giving what I feel like it should give. So for now, it's just going to be listener questions. But those are the two segments that I've implemented on the solo episodes and I'm hoping that you guys are digging them. Would love to hear from you. Shoot me an email, dcarry at travelandshippodcast.com and let me know what you think. Um, But for the first segment, overhead bin, I'm going to just jump into that topic. And there have been lots of talks of strikes. I did not know until recently that there are a couple of airlines that have been talking about striking. Um, so where did I have here? Thank you to the Denver Post. That was one of the first kind of comprehensive articles that I was able to find about it. Um, according, no, unions, according to the Denver Post, unions from Southwest and American have authorized a strike, though one isn't imminent. And that was as of this past Friday. Did I change the calendar? Of course not. Uh, Past Friday was 
the 12th, I want to say. So in case you're listening to this, not in real time, um, May 12th would have been that date. And, um, okay. So on Friday, and then United Airlines pilots plan to picket the airlines flight training center in Denver. So that is three different airlines, Southwest American. And where was the other one? United, um, from Southwest. Now we all remember that debacle back in December where they had like a shit ton of cancellations. So it's no surprise that, uh, huh, Southwest says, and I quote, the lack of leadership and the unwillingness to address the failures of our organization have led us to this point. Our pilots are tired of apologizing to our passengers on behalf of a company that refuses to place its priorities on its internal and external uh, customers. And their, um, I want to say it's their union president. I don't understand. I don't know this acronym. It's S-W-A-P-A. Y'all, I really need to get my eyes checked because I am at that point where I'm not really squinting, but it's just (laughs) not clear anymore. (laughs) I am there. And of my immediate family, I am one of four, the last one of four who does not wear glasses. Um, But I think it's time. But that organization, SWAPA, uh, their president, Casey Murray, gave that statement. Um, In terms of United, for their pilots, much of it comes down to stall contract negotiations after four years, which include requests for changes to both work rules and their scheduling systems. I No, I was conflating. I was thinking that that was um, Southwest. I want to say Southwest said that that's what the issue with all those cancellations back last year was about. It was their antiquated scheduling system. But um, United apparently is having the same issue. At least the pilots are having that concern. Um, but the airline, United, counters that it's offering 18% average pay increase to pilots with 5% raises that started in December and has already agreed to 79 improvements for the next contract. That sounds cute, but I kind of feel like workers shouldn't have to necessarily fight for what's right. Like the workers are the ones that are doing the work that makes you your profits, that makes you your money. I don't understand why people would want employees to be anything less than satisfied. Like I feel like a collective group of people aren't necessarily going to come to you with uh, superfluous or like really ridiculous fucking wild far left requests like that just just doesn't sit in my mind as something that would happen so it baffles me that so many companies are really dropping the ball on giving people what I don't want to say equitable pay what would be fair pay because across different industries of course pay is going to be different right so what I do at my job versus what a pilot does at their job. If pilot, if a pilot starting uh, pay is 300 grand a year, 300,000 us dollars. If that's their starting salary and they're saying that they need more, give them fucking more. I'm not a pilot. I'm not no, no designs on it. Um, I would assume it takes a lot to fly a plane and that's why there aren't like, as many pilots as there are maybe bus drivers, right? 
um, that being the case, one thing that I've also heard is that to become a pilot, the actual training and education is wildly expensive. So it's kind of like being a lawyer. If it's going to cost that much to be a lawyer, why wouldn't the pay match? Like if I have to spend this much of my own money, if I have to invest this much in the education to be able to complete said task, said job, it should follow that the pay should be equitable. That's where equity, I feel like, comes in. Like at that point, if I'm investing, you know, $500,000 or whatever thousand dollars, oof, now that's got me thinking about college and that's another rabbit hole and I'm trying not to do as many rabbit holes. But if some people are asking for more money, I don't feel like it's coming from a place of um, being irrational. Um, and as of May 1st, American Airlines pilots voted to authorize a strike after pushing for scheduling and work uh, after pushing for scheduling and work rule improvements in their contracts. So those were the three American Airlines, no pun intended, um, I guess, United States. Yeah, because North America is a continent, so I don't necessarily want to say North American. Although those airlines service all of North America, I would like to, I'm pretty certain that they are all based in the United States. So those three airlines have announced strikes. According to Reuters, um, or is it Reuters? I'm going to say Reuters. Maybe Reuters. I don't know. R-E-U-T-E-R-S. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the um, the news company, right? Um, according to them, though, pilots at Canada's WestJet Airlines have already given their 72-hour notice, and they are likely to strike in, uh, as of Friday, May 19th. There's also something going on in Italy. And Italy is more of a, what did it say? Italy air transport sector strike on Friday. However, I haven't been able to find an article on the Italy situation where I um, recognize the source. Like I don't want to just quote anybody's website. Um, and I'm not familiar with any of the ones that I came across. Like I haven't seen anything on like CNN, Washington Post. Um, there were a maybe one or two that I saw that were behind payrolls and the site looked like it may have been, um, I don't even want to say more reputable, but the site looked a little bit more reputable quite as it's kept. Um, but it was behind a payroll. I'm not paying a site that I'm never going to visit, uh, visit again for one article. Uh, but that being what it is, there are, Surprise to me, so many different little pockets where airline employees are not with the ships right now. But thankfully, in the United States, we have what is called the Railway Labor Act. And as of 1936, it was also applied to commercial airlines. So I found, where was that? Was it Forbes? Yes. According to Forbes, there was a really straight to the point write up on what it was, right? So I'm going to read that to you. Um, the law outlines a detailed process for the negotiation of collectively bargained. I'm trying to make the font larger and it's not working in notes. Um, negotiation of collective, 
collectively bargained agreements. Rather than a contract ending, the RLA established that contracts would instead become amendable. Even if a contract reaches its term, both management and labor are obligated to follow the contract until new terms are agreed. Both sides can negotiate in good faith for as long as needed, and at some point, the sides can agree to bring in a federal mediator. The mediator is uh, trained to find common ground to reach a deal, but is independent and not concerned about the resulting economics. Historically, many labor deals in the United States and the U.S. airline industry are signed during the initial negotiation or under the mediation process. There were a couple of other websites that were basically saying um, the president could even step in. I don't know if it was Senate or Congress, but I like, again, federal mediator, like the feds get involved. And at some point, the airlines have to be given permission to strike. So if you were to just Google airline strikes, you'll see articles saying who wants to do what, why they're doing whatever. But then you'll also see a host of uh, websites and posts, articles and writings of the sort that will let you know that in the United States, for the most part, just because you hear of a strike doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything to worry about. There are so many steps in place that have to um, that have to fail. There are a ton of fail safes in place so that there is no um, mass chaos and the strikes are going to cause a ton of issues. Now, that, to my understanding, doesn't necessarily apply to smaller airlines because back in 2010, and let's not get carried away, I had to Google that date. Retention is not my thing. Um, But Spirit Airlines had gone on a strike way back then. Way back then. What was that now? 13 years ago? Um, They went on a strike, but I believe it was because they were a much smaller airline at the time. And that somehow was allowed. But for the most part, the sources that I'm coming across are saying, don't really sweat it. You're good in the United States in terms of avoiding the clusterfuck of a strike. Plenty of the employees have picketed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there is going to be a large interruption of services. Uh, There apparently were a couple of pickets and strikes or um, announcements for strikes over the spring. I don't remember what article that was, and I could be conflating with Europe because... I don't know that they have that same law. I One article that I did find on Italy, and pausing for a second, the links to all of my sources are always going to be in the show notes. So if I particularly, if I have a lot of different sources that I scrolled through and visited to get information for an episode, they're not all going to, it don't make sense to put all of that in the description box. That's going to be in the episode notes on the episode page on travelingshippodcast.com. And that link will, of course, be in the episode notes. So I'll make it a little easier for you, right? I'm not expecting you to scroll through 16 different, you know, little links on your mobile device. I'm going to give you the one link so that you can open it up on a much easier to read uh, platform because I know a lot of 
different uh, podcast platforms don't necessarily include all the information in the description box. And a lot of times the format is a little janky. So all the links, resources, and all that shit, travelshippodcast.com. And this is episode, I'm looking it up this time, episode 237. So you can go to episode 237 on com and get those links so that you can see the articles that I am referencing. So as I was saying, I do not believe that, um, I don't know if Europe has those types of laws in place to, or fail safes, if you will, to prevent strikes. And according to the, what is it? I guess the, um, the website, the source that I found, they, it's likely happening on Friday if they don't come to an agreement. And there was a quite healthy list of cancellations of flights that are going to and from Italy. And of course, um, throughout Italy. So if you have any plans on being in Italy this month, look into it. If you have a connecting flight in Italy, you might want to look into it. Um, and, to that understanding, I don't even think it's just relegated to the flights. Consider that it is not just an, uh, what do you call them? Pilot strike. It was an Italy air transport sector strike. So that's your bags. That's like food services, possibly at the airports. There are other people that get you from point A to point B when it comes to flying. So thank you to all of them. And uh, definitely look into what is going on with your flight. If you happen to be traveling in through or around Italy in the month of March of our Lord's year, 2023, Um, definitely look into that. But thankfully in the States here, we've got those federal laws in place so that rumblings, mentionings, uh, declarations of a strike, are going to have to go through a lot of different procedures before it can necessarily upend and, you know, destroy uh, U.S. flight schedules and plans. But that don't mean other things can't happen that may, um, what do you call it, uh, fuck it up. So we saw what happened with Southwest. If the pilots are at the point where they're ready to strike, they probably they know more about it than we do. They already in the mix. So I trust what them people are saying. And if anybody over there is listening, get them people their money. Just everybody pay everybody. We all get to it. Everybody wants their fucking money. Nobody's working for, I'm about to say nobody's working for free. And here I am doing the podcast for free. There are things that we enjoy doing for free, but for the most part, our full-time jobs, God bless those of you who love your full-time jobs. My heart is open and happy for you. But a lot of us don't enjoy our full-time jobs. We do it because we need the money. Because unfortunately, this is a very capitalistic world. You need money to survive. And that's why we're here. Pay the people. Speaking of pay the people and strikes, my heart is also with the WGA. I want to say it's the Writers Guild of America. I think that's what it's called. But the writer's strike. Um, we all love watching shit on these flights, on them little seat back headlines. We will download movies. We will download shows to entertain ourselves while we're traveling. And also pause, heart goes out to the writers 
I hope y'all get your money because y'all do such incredible work. It's one thing for an actor to portray a character really well, but those characters are developed by actual writers. The actors have nothing to work with outside of their personalities. And we all know that a lot of that, a lot of them don't really have much of that as it is, unfortunately. So the writers are where the fucking magic is. Pay them people their money. There are so many shows that I want to see because of the writing. The storytelling is fucking incredible. Run them their coins so I can finish watching my shows. That being said, have y'all ever traveled and gotten stuck watching something in a different country in a different language? I very, very, very vividly remember flying into Thailand and not having a very easy time finding any, like that's one of the things that I forget. Well, not as much anymore because I've learned my lesson and I'm pretty sure that it was Thailand that may have done it for me, but I had a difficult find a difficult time finding shit to watch while I was at the hotel that I could follow and that I could understand. Somehow I remember, I think the Pope came on. I don't know if it was the one with Jude Law or some Jude Law looking motherfucker, but I remember that show being on and I kept falling asleep and waking back up and it was still on and I tried to kind of get into it, but I don't remember if it was in English or not. It may not have even, I don't know what it was in, but that's one of the um, experiences where I learned, oh, local TV isn't always something that I want to guarantee or rely on, right? Sometimes it's hard to navigate somebody else's TV set and you can't figure out how to put captions on, all that jazz. So I don't remember what the exact intersection was for me, but for some reason, I decided to see what the top shows in different countries that I have visited were. And I, blown away, okay? The results, 12 out of 10, highly recommend. Be curious, people. I say it all the time, travel is so much more than vacation. And I'm getting to that point pretty early in the episode this week, but it truly, truly is. If you allow it to, it will give you the opportunity to expand your horizons and open your mind. I've been to almost 25 countries. I think I'm at like 23, 24 different countries. And I've never really given too much thought into what the people in those areas like to watch. I've got shit that I enjoy watching here. I'm really looking forward to P-Valley coming back. Really looking forward to um, Severance. I'm really looking forward to, um, what was the third one that we were watching? Um, We tend to binge old TV just because I like things coming to an end. Oh, uh, the the show is an Apple, it's an Apple show with Gugu and Batha Raw. One of my favorite actresses, by the way. I'll watch anything she's in. Whatever show that is, Surface. There we go. Surface. I'm really excited for those three shows in particular to come back. And I know that there are quite a few other Abbott fucking El- Abbott elementary. The shows that we watch every week are Abbott Walker. Walker is actually a guilty pleasure because it's technically not something that I would really be interested in. The only reason why I watched Walker, well, I currently watch Walker, um, one nostalgic. I used to love watching the original Walker, Texas Ranger with the Chuck Norris. Um, 
always watch it at my grandparents' house. So nostalgic for me because it is, I immediately connected to my grandparents and watching TV at their house at night. And I only started watching Walker because I'm a huge Supernatural fan and the lead um, character, the main character, not Jensen Ackles, but um, Jared Padalecki, he plays Cordell Walker in the new show. And so I figured I'd give it a try. Love the show. Absolutely love the show. I feel like his supporting cast is where the magic is. Um, the couple that plays his parents, personal favorite characters. They are my favorite characters in the show. Uh, the actors that play his parents, um, absolutely love them. The young woman that plays his daughter, Stella, absolute beauty. She is such an incredible actress and the writing is incredible. It's like just watching the character progression, excuse me, the character development as the series progresses, all of it. Love it. So I say a lot to say, um, that show Law and Orders, uh, Big Teeth. That's what I call, <laughs> I call the show Big Teeth. Um, Queen Latifah is a cousin in my head. Uh, she is another uh, Dana. So I feel like we share that. And we also have a very, was Shadell a guest? I don't know if Shadell was a guest on the show, but a friend of mine is actually a, um, a hairstylist, but like she works on sets, movies um, with celebrity clientele. And she did um, her hair for, I want to say season three, episode seven. So we've got that little single degree of separation between us, but the equalizer looking forward to that shit coming back too. So we got shit that we looking forward to and the talents that are making it what it is. I need them to get their coin. So um, writers, Hat tip, all that jazz. My heart is with you. God bless. God speed. Stay in the fight. Um, as a creative, I support you. I will just rewatch old shit until they get paid for the incredible new shit. Um, but that being what it is, streaming, I'm so glad that I am fucking curious because I came across some wildly incredible shows, y'all. All right, so what I did, went to netflix.com and I looked up the, like what they've got a little bar. Don't remember how exactly I found out that they have it again, being curious, tinkering around. But if you go to Netflix, you can search based on country. So you can see what shows are the top 10 streaming during any, uh, I don't want to say any, but you can choose like the weeks. Let me go back to the website. Okay. Was this the global one? Yeah, there's, so I also looked up, um, okay, no, this one is by country. And then there is just global. There's a global top 10. You could just Google Netflix, Google global top 10 and globally digging around, digging around right now, black Knight season one, it's its first week in the top 10, but it's already had 31,220,000 hours viewed. Coming in at number three, globally, my new bin show. I am so into the fucking Taylor. It's a Turkish show. So let's see, it says, following its debut on Netflix on May 2nd, Brand fucking new. May 2nd, 2023. The show managed to top the non-English top 10 charts, picking up 26.14 million hours watched globally. Um, 
according to Flix Patrol, the show has also fe- no. Oh well, well, it says the show has also featured in seventy nine countries, top ten charts. Y'all, that shit is so fucking messy. It is so good, mind you. I watch regular TV with the captions on. Like I, at this point, can't watch TV without the captions. I don't know if it's my attention span. I don't know if uh, it's an agent. I don't fucking know what it is. I need captions. So I don't like missing details. So I'm listening, but I'm also following so that if I miss something that they heard, I don't have to go back and re-listen to it. I can just read it while I'm going, right? Love watching captions. Oddly enough, though, it's not the same when you're watching subtitles. So I'm not going to lie and say I didn't have to give myself an extra push to sit through the subtitles. But I did it and I'm glad. Yeah. The first episode had me. Now, the trailer was interesting, but it didn't like it just left me with a feeling of what the fuck is this going to be about like i don't i don't know where we're going this guy the tailor don't ask me what the oh payami i want to say that's his name not bad looking dude either ooh the thing that i really 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 love about this show is the fucking clothes when i tell you the fashions honey whoever's in charge of costuming over there cool Dose. I hope you are being well compensated. I hope everybody that's on that team that does all the fitting, the seamstresses, your tailors, everybody on that job, I hope you're getting handsomely rewarded and that you feel very fucking fulfilled. The clothes are insane. The suits. When I tell you the suits this man wears, delicious. He also has a fucking insane uh best friend cousin i think and that nigga's wild wild there is uh like essentially they're tied like all the characters that come together are tied together by this wedding dress so it's not a spoiler all mad shit happens in the first episode i think i'm up to episode three or four i don't know how many episodes there are at this point i believe they've been renewed for a season two because the show is doing so well but it's, I think the synopsis says, yeah, they're all tied together, uh, not strangers, but they're all kind of familiar. And by familiar, I mean like related. And that was another, uh, definitely not strange, but of note, culturally, relations between different people are different. And that's not something that I'm necessarily familiar with. So cultural nuance is also something that came um, top of mind when, when, when watching the different shows, right? So the tailor is Turkish. I don't know if it's filmed in Turkey, but the setting is supposed to be Turkey. Uh, plenty of Turkish flags flying. Um, and I'm assuming it's in Turkish. Can't really tell you for certain, but acting is great and clothes top tier it's i'm having if i had to kind of give you like an easy description it would be absolute mess a really really like popular and famous um designer has a really 
like, I don't want to say checkered, but he's got a really difficult past. Turns out his, and this isn't a spoiler, his dad is developmentally delayed and he got like teased and made fun of as a kid. And so his grandfather, for the most part, was who raised him, who I guess presented as his father. And by developmentally delayed, um, I'd say, not with my degrees in, making a guess here, he's probably at the mental capacity of max a five-year-old. And, and I mean, that's even a stretch, but possible, right? So that's what I mean by developmentally delayed. Um, capacity is probably at five. Uh, also compromised movement, uh, delayed motor skills and functionality as well. Uh, that's his dad. So he is trying to now his grandfather passes he ends up bringing his family back to Istanbul with him. And now they're living on his huge, beautiful estate, but he's keeping his dad a secret. So his best friends, his like extended family and all that jazz, they don't know about his dad being there. Um, but it's like this huge secret and he ends up, that secret ends up getting out to one person by accident And she's got this wild, like, y'all, it's good. Trust me. Just watch the first episode, the Taylor. If you're disappointed, we don't enjoy the same things. It's, that's just what that is on that. You can also, I want to say, watch the show in English. Um, Like you can dub it. I want to say I saw that as an option where it said English with captions or English with subtitles. But I personally um, agree with my partner and would rather feel the emotion of the actor in their native language or in their um, in the native language to the show. Like, I don't know these people. I don't know if this is their native language or not, but this is what they are recording the shit in. And I want that energy. I want to feel that along with watching and following the story. So the Taylor, it's wild. It's sloppy. I don't know where it's going. And every episode, it's like, oh, my shit. What, what, how did we, oh, my God. How did we get here? And where do we go from here? The shit is so good. The Taylor, it's nuts. Give it a shot. Second show that I looked into is The Marked Heart. This one. It says it's a Colombian series, um, and it was it has been number one in the top ten non English language TV titles on Netflix in over sixty eight countries, and it is the brainchild of a Venezuelan writer Leonardo Padron, and um, that shit is good too. So that synopsis is a little bit easier so far. Um, that's how wild the Taylor is. I have a really difficult time giving you even like a truncated version of what it is without like doing a long winded explanation of the show. And I told y'all I'm really trying to avoid the rabbit holes and okay. So again, the Taylor, please, please, please check it out and hit me up. I want to know if y'all like that shit. I'm going to, I'm going to do a poll on Twitter maybe in two weeks to give y'all a little bit of time 
So I can see who all of y'all has watched the shit. It is so, so, so good. But uh, The Marked Heart. So that one is a Colombian series. Um, again, it's in Span- this one's in Spanish. And subtitles, do your thing. This one is about a man whose wife is killed by black market organ traffickers to take her heart and give it to the, I want to say it's the wife because she ends up like, we find out she has a heart condition on their wedding day. Like she gets up to the, she comes down the aisle and collapses before the wedding even actually starts. Um, But her husband is the one that put all these pieces in play to get her her heart. She doesn't know that the nigga's crazy and that he went to such far lengths to get her the heart. And I think I'm up to episode two in that, maybe three. And it's so sad because the woman that they killed She's uh, a trumpet player. Her husband, I don't know. I feel like it's a family pizza shop. He makes pizza. She plays trumpet at the uh, family. And I say family. I don't know it's their family, but it's like a family-owned small business. It's a restaurant. Their kids are probably, I'd say 12 and 16 is what they're giving. But again, kids are hard for me to pin. I have a hard time guessing. Kids I know motherfucking age, let alone kids on the TV because culturally and everybody looks different. I can't tell how old they are. Um, so that to say really sweet little family. The mom is, is killed. Her heart's given to this new guy, this rich guy's, uh, wife. And then she starts asking questions and she's, well, you know, who gave me my heart? I was like, I've been on the list for three years. I'm pretty far down the list. Like what, where did this come from? Like, what's going on? How did she die? I want to know who she is. And he's just like, oh, don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. Just enjoy life. And so like the way the story is unfolding, you're seeing her kind of like quietly dig. Like she's not getting too like, she ain't going too, too hard yet, but she's starting to just kind of, you know, enjoy like this new zest for life. And she's a complete creative. She's a photographer. So she's doing um, like these, little pop-ups she's just going around taking photography taking pictures and she ends up going to this concert where the husband of the woman whose heart she has is at and she ends up somehow taking his photo and he's in you know he's grieving and this concert is something that he and his wife were looking forward to and they were celebrating and talking I think it was their anniversary or her birthday or something and they were you know driving singing the song of her favorite artist who he had surprised her with two concert tickets to. So they were in that joyful moment. Oh, I can't wait to spend this time with you. Have this moment. This is the second time we're seeing that blah, 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 blah. And then the act, the car accident happens. Shorty's kidnapped. There's a whole really crazy chase scene, by the way, that shit was pretty like the whole y'all again, these foreign shows, you think like American TV is nuts. I'm seeing that we don't, have like we I feel like we have a participation trophy in fucking nuts like these other countries is far outshining us and I don't know where the fuck I've been but this shit is television honey my god it is so good but it's like 
end scene. Where are we going with this? The show is mad good. And the final show I'm going to bring up is Welcome to Eden. That one, so far, is cute. It's just, again, it's rounding out the top 10 of the uh, global shows on Netflix currently. That one, also in Spanish. I don't remember what country it came from. But it's basically a bunch of young adults who are unhappy with their real lives somehow get contacted by it the one girl that they are you know using as i guess the lead if you will it was a random text message that she got and this random text message just asked her are you happy and she's like who's this and she's and they're just like are you happy? And she's just like, well, who's this? And they're just like, come on, just answer the question. Are you happy? And then all of a sudden she plays into it. You don't know who the fuck it is, but now all of a sudden you answering questions and clicking on links. They send her a video and it's basically envisioned like a whole bunch of white kids in Ibiza. Uh, imagine Croatia Yacht Week, but like the white people there. Don't, no blacks. Like, I feel like there are maybe two brown people. And what's wild to me is it's not like Y'all don't have Afro-Latinos or Afro-Latinas. It's like, so y'all couldn't mix in a couple more brown people? I think the whole show so far, like I've seen two brown faces. So that part's quite disappointing, especially, especially considering the content. It's not like it's a family and you just throw in a random black friend, right? That's not what we're talking about. These are young creators. Like they come, like one of them is an inf- not creatives. They're just young people who apparently are displeased with their regular life and take up this random company's offer on the party of a lifetime. They have them in like some random alley. Of course, the, the it's it's the adult in me is screaming the entire episode. Like, how could you be so fucking stupid? I don't think there's, um, I've done some dumb shit, like some really dumb shit. So I can't say that it's not believable at all, but it's just like, my God, y'all are fucking idiots. But somehow they are trusting these randoms They're eating and drinking from these people they don't know. And it's all a setup. And this isn't a a spoiler. Nothing has been a spoiler. All these things happen in episode one. Um, And that's across all the different shows I was telling y'all about. So with this one, Welcome to Eden, it's kind of like these kids show up and it looks like it's going to be like a big influencer party, but they take your cell phones. So you're in the middle of nowhere with people you don't know with no way of contacting anybody. You end up getting on a random ass yacht after you took a random ass party bus to the the place to get on the yacht. And then you just all of a sudden show up on an island and you're partying. And then they're talking about there's a new beverage that they're they're testing and they're going to give you one of the first tries of the shit. And so you're drinking some random beverage that you don't know has been tested. I don't fucking know. Again, I done some dumb dumb shit before, but here they go. And then all of a sudden... Five kids wake up alone on the island. The party of maybe like, it looked like there could have been a solid 100 to 200 people on this like beach island party. It's like a big rave. Everybody's having a good time. 
kids take, you know, everybody, like certain people with like a light up band, they get to try the drink and long the short next day, five kids wake up. It's just them. All of a sudden they're following a drone that leads them someplace on the Island. Again, I mean, honestly, at this point, it's like you wake up on an Island with four other people. You don't really got a choice, but to follow a piece of technology that is basically giving you the zit zit follow me kind of signal. What else you going to do? You want to fucking Island go to where the civilization is. Right. So anyway, they go. And then all of a sudden it seems like they're being welcomed into, it looks like a fucking cult. So it's all being manipulated by, and it reminds me of something else, but I still haven't been able to place what the show was or what the movie was, but it's all being, um, manipulated and, Oh, was it a black mirror? Maybe like, um, the black mirror episode with was it, is it Daniel Kaluga Kaluuya? I don't know if that's, I see his face. I'm not really great with names y'all, but it's all a farce. And I only watched one episode Probably I'll give it another episode and see if it catches me. The shit ain't bad. So don't let me being less excited than the other two. It's just that the other two were just so fucking good. This one just might be a slower build. I'm gonna give it another episode, but the shit is really just like, I want to see where this goes because they're kind of taking bets on who is going to work, who's not going to work. So it's really at this point, I got to see where this goes so I can decide whether or not it's like something that I'm going to continue watching. But I got to say, being curious about different places and the shit that people in different countries are into has proved to be a really good decision. So I would suggest that y'all give it a motherfucking try because like I say every week, travel is so much more than vacation. And you should absolutely give yourself the opportunity to open your mind and open your horizons to things that are um, new and exciting to you. Easiest way to do that, look at some shit that's happening in another country. We all watch fucking TV. Why not check into the stuff that is being watched in places that you're interested in going to or that you've already been to? So for the final segment, we're going to do the listener question, the audience question. Um, I generally post a prompt during the week on Instagram, uh, either underscore D carry D C A. So that's underscore D C A R R I E or T R A V E L the letter N S H underscore T that's travel and ship. Um, Instagram, I post a story where you can drop your questions in the question box and, um, This week's question comes from Kelly. Thank you, Kelly. Um, And she asks, do you use pre-check or clear? I haven't made the leap yet and I don't know if I want to. Well, I will say that one of boyfriend's Christmas gifts was pre-check because I got tired of waiting on the general public line with him. I think pre-check is absolutely worth it. Um, the distinct difference between pre-check and clear other than the price clear is 189 every year and pre-check will run you, I want to say 85 for five years. Your TSA pre-check clearance lasts five years, which reminds me, I should probably look into that. Uh Uh-huh. We'll do. 
Um, but clear can be used at other places outside of an airport. So one of the main, first of all, it's a yes. It's a yes. If you fly, I'd say more than more than three or four times a year, it's going to be worth your money. Um, especially considering pre-check will last you multiple years. Clear, it's a little closer to joint. Also, pre-check, a lot of your, um, not a lot of, but many different credit card companies will reimburse you for that. I know Amex is one of the credit cards that will do that. I might, they might reimburse you for global entry as well. When you get global entry, which is a hundred dollars. So it's $15 more for when you get global entry, you automatically, like you get pre-check in that application. So I personally think it's worth it to do global entry so that you can bypass the more difficult customs uh, process um, but if you don't necessarily, honestly, spend the $15, get global entry. The one chance, the second chance, the off chance that you might take an international flight, you'll be happy that you did. And it only costs you $15, right? You spend money on dumber things that you totally forget about, which reminds me to try to cancel this random CVS subscription that I ended up getting. Terrible. I got to go back to that. But... In a nutshell, clear membership costs $189 per year and TSA pre-check membership costs $85 for five years. So pre-check provides expedited security screening benefits for flights departing from U.S. airports. Global entry provides expedited U.S. customs screening for international air travelers when entering the United States. Global entry members also receive pre-check benefits as part of their membership. So global entry gets you back into the country without having to wait on the really long customs lines. There's no paper involved as opposed to signing all those declaration forms that you get in on the airplane. When you're coming back into the United States, you go into, um, you go to the global entry, um, line and you basically scan biometric shit. Like I think you might, um, answer a couple of things on your phone and then you just, yeah, I think you do. It's been a while. I haven't been international outside of Mexico and Canada. So I haven't left the continent. Okay, technically off the continent, we went to Puerto Rico, but Puerto Rico is part of the of North America. I mean, I know it's part of the United States, but in question is it, I guess it would be considered part of the North American continent also. It's an island though. Mm-hmm. Geography ain't my bag, but global entry you can come back in and you get on that shorter line. You do the biometric shit. I'm pretty sure there is like a QR code or something that you scan and it answers and, and it has all of your answers, all of your no, no, no's for all the declarations and all that kind of shit. And the line is much quicker. Um, now I've heard tons of things about the TSA line being just as long as the regular line in certain airports. So that is something that I can't confirm or deny for you. Um, I generally fly out of JFK. It is very rare that I will fly out of anywhere but JFK. Other than JFK, LaGuardia. Those are those are my airports, JFK and LaGuardia. So 
I've not had the experience where pre-check is a longer wait than the regular airline line. That's not been my experience in either of those two um, airports. But one thing to note is that not all airlines will let you use pre-check in all airports. I want to say I flew a Chinese airway. I think it was China Airways, or I don't remember what it's called. I actually have a blanket from there. Um, but I was not able to, because you have to have pre-check on your boarding pass, whether it's printed or it's the mobile version of it. That flight in particular did not have a mobile version. So I had to go to the desk and have them print. I couldn't even go to the kiosk either. I had to go to the desk and have them print my uh, boarding pass. This was the flight to China. And that did not, that boarding pass, that airline in particular did not allow for TSA pre-check. So um, I had to wait on the regular line. So pre-check didn't work in that instance. However, Clear apparently, because Clear works in locations other than airports, you can use Clear in uh, stadiums and other venues. And I want to say Clear does a biometric scan and it will, and Clear apparently you can get on the Clear line even if you can't get onto the pre-check line if you have Clear. So some people do both. They'll do Clear and they'll do TSA. Um, for me, I'm not doing Clear. I don't necessarily go to enough venues or stadiums or other events. I guess if I had like tickets for a lot of sports games or if that was my thing, or if I did like a lot of concerts, it would make sense for me to do that, but I don't. So for me, pre-check more than enough. It was included in my global entry. And I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely suggest that anybody who travels more than twice a year invest in it. It's a hundred dollars that'll last you it five years, five years for a hundred dollars. And it'll expedite your process getting in and out of the airport. So absolutely recommend. Um, and of the two, I would say, um, I would personally say pre-check just for the cost effectiveness. You don't have to pay the 189. It's almost $200 every year. Um, unless you find someplace else in your life where clear will be beneficial. So if, if clear will be beneficial to you someplace other than just the airport and you cool with spending $200 every year, get clear, go for it. Um, but that is my advice on it. I absolutely think that global entry and pre-check are worth it because it's a hundred dollars worth the money. So that is my answer for that. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We know Memorial Day is coming up. Don't forget, especially for my folks on the East Coast, road trip season is upon. It's always a good time for road trips, if you ask me. But Memorial Day weekend is coming up. Perfect time to take a nice extended weekend road trip. So I've got you covered. I've got uh, my itinerary pack that has Five cities that are easily accessible from New York City. You can choose your destination based on the vibe. What are you in the mood for? Do you got to bring your kids with you and you want something family friendly? Are you looking for something romantic? Are you looking to eat good? Are you looking for history and culture? Whatever it is you're looking for, I've got based on vibe. Or if you want something that's close by or if you're feeling a little adventurous because you also got the Friday of the long weekend off 
also, and you want to drive a little further. Five cities, Montreal, Vermont, D.C. Um, what else did I have on there? Let me look it up so I cannot spend time thinking. Montreal, D.C. Oh, Philly and Hartford. That's what it was. Montreal, Vermont, Philly, Hartford, D.C. Five cities. Choose based on the vibe or the distance because obviously, depending on where you're coming from, the distance may be a little bit different. But the options are there for you. I've got itineraries including things to do, places to stay, and tips and tricks for the area already prepared for you. Travelandshippodcast.com. The resource is there. And I am here with the answers. I am here with the suggestions and I'm here with the support. Hope y'all enjoyed this week's episode. If you have any questions, what was that? Did you? Uh, yes, I'm here. Let the kid know. I appreciate y'all rocking with me and I hope to talk to y'all again next week. Bye y'all. Hey, I know you're still catching all the gems that just got dropped on the Travel and Shit podcast, but before you go, I want to invite you to come hang out with me on my show, Multi-Passionate Mastery. If you're someone who has a lot of talents and a lot of passions, and you don't subscribe to the idea that you have to choose just one thing in order to be successful, then you're going to love the conversations that we're having over there. And I'm not inviting you to listen to my show just so I can pump you up with empowerment content. You're going to leave the tangible tips and holistic approaches to common problems that multi-passionists face, like focus, prioritization, knowing how to choose what to start with first, and that type of thing. If you're not sure if the podcast is for you, you can start with the episode titled, Are You a Multi-Passionate Creative? Here's Five Ways to Tell. That's episode 38. So click the link down in the show notes or find Multi-Passionate Mastery anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hope to see you over there soon.